This is Crossing Phase, the podcast featuring a Christian and a Muslim talking religion and politics. Your Crossing Phase co-hosts are me, Matt Hawkins, a once policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention, and my friend John Pinna, former director of government relations and international relations of the American Islamic Congress. For this unusual episode, John and I become the guests on our own show. Our friend Hasha Elkins interviews us for a print piece in the Vantage Points publication. Through Hasha's questions, you'll get the full backstory on Crossing Fans, how John and I decided to do this, and what our vision is for the podcast. As always, everything you need to contact and follow us is available at crossingphase.com. If you're not already listening through one of these podcast outlets, we're available for your free subscription via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. Here now is Hasha Elkins as she kicks off her interview of Crossing Phase for the Vantage Points digital publication. You both spent significant time advocating for religious freedom, despite your obvious cultural and religious differences. How did you meet, and what are some of the initiatives that you've championed over the years uh, maybe even prior to the podcast. Despite the popular belief, Matthew didn't lose a, a bet, <laughs> nor is his court appointed. Um, um, you know, we met at the International Religious Freedom Roundtable about 10 years ago. Isn't that about right, yeah, Matthew? Yeah, probably shy of 10 years, but yeah. I always embellish a little bit. It's cer- right? It certainly so, feels like 10 with you. Yeah, yeah. well, maybe longer, right? So, um, and, and you know, the, the, the challenge was that we were dealing with some, some really hard issues, so. Um, the authorization of you serve the United States Commission for National Religious Freedom and uh, all different kinds of religious persecution issues. And some issues, sometimes we were able to collaborate, sometimes we, you know, openly and sometimes we weren't. Uh, and some, and but a lot of time we did disagree because we were representing each of our constituencies. Yeah. Uh, and so Matthew and I, even though we might have we, we, were, we were disagreeing on a lot of different issues, we uh, still collaborated and and spent quite a bit of time uh, beyond the International Religious Freedom Roundtable to discuss why we disagreed on such issues and where we could support and help each other uh, work our issues where we could build more of a consensus. I don't know. Is that about right? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, for context, the International Religious Freedom Roundtable is a civil society gathering in, in D.C. that's predominantly other NGOs and uh, predominantly uh, religious groups that are seeking to collaborate on a whole host of issues related to this thing called religious freedom. And we agree on very little, especially theologically and certainly often politically speaking. Um, and domestic stuff, there's even more <laughs> disagreement on issues. But we all agree uh, that in the worst places around the world for uh, persecuted religious minorities that um, – there are things that the international community can do and that the U.S. government in particular has a role and a responsibility um, to advocate for and advance those issues. And it's those kinds of issues that John and I uh, collaborate on most often, I think. Well, I, th- I think we should just tell the truth. This is really what happened. So at that time, you worked. You were the director of government relations for the Southern Baptist Convention. Conference. Yeah. Convention, yeah. which, it, which, is, which is, you know, the, one of the, the, the largest... Uh, yeah, what, what, what would we call it? Is it it's, it's the largest confederation uh, of churches. Yeah, it's the largest organization of, of churches in North America. And because we're Protestants, we're, there's not a hierarchy. Uh, like there might be in the Catholic Church. So it's all, 
all the Baptist churches to the extent that they collaborate within a convention. It's all voluntary and uh, no church has the authority over another. So we're basically as an office specifically called the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's the big mouthful for you. Ethical bombs. Just for shorthand, it's the uh, public policy office of the Southern Baptist Convention in Washington. We're seeking to represent a mix of, of doctrine and consensus from uh, our constituency. So, and at that time, I was I was the director of government and international relations for the American Islamic Congress, and it was my job to mobilize and and unite the American Muslim constituency while coordinating both domestic and international programming. And so, I, I credit our relationship to a joke uh, that I would you know I just ask them the question, well, where it actually was a serious question at the beginning, but everybody ended up laughing, and I realized how funny it was afterwards because the Southern Baptists. Uh, represents Southern Baptists, and my question was, well, what's with the Northern Baptists? How come they, how come they haven't been able to organize? Where, you know, what's what's their game? You know, what happens if they do? And see how he's laughing. So I didn't, I didn't realize how funny of a joke it was, but it actually is a really funny joke in your circle. You right. Know, so. Well, well, now, now it's uh, kind of a joke in our circle because uh, to be Baptist is one of a number of different expressions of Baptist. There's no, uh, there's no copyright in the word Baptist, so they're about it two dozen different kinds of Baptists in the States alone. And uh, the the joke about that is John was stepping on kind of a landmine of history because uh, Baptists did, in fact, split north and south um, along those lines during the Civil War when my own convention of churches mm-hmm. was, frankly, on the wrong side of, of slavery uh, and later on the wrong side of um, segregation. Um, so it was in the American South where uh, the Southerners, um, mainline churches, including Baptists, were frequently um, supporting missionaries abroad uh, who were supposedly supposed to be taking the gospel to foreign lands, uh, including Africa, while at the same time supporting the stealing, the purchasing, the selling, and the owning, uh, and the brutalizing of, of African Americans or of then uh, African slaves. And so uh, that's a pretty dark history there. But uh, to John's point, uh, Baptists did split uh, it, along those lines in history. And the Northern Baptists uh, basically became other expressions of Baptists, uh, American Baptists and National Baptists among them. So, I mean, is it safe to say that the conference is flourishing because the Northern Baptists are not unified? What? See, John John is always trying to seed uh, tension and controversy among my people. Hasha right now is like, what in the world have I got myself into? <laughs> uh, maybe just a little bit, but it's it's very compelling. Your story is very compelling. So how did you decide on a podcast format? And really, how did you conceptualize the crossing faith theme. Well, I, I want to credit John with coming up with the idea to do a radio thing or a podcast thing. Um, I left Washington about a year and a half ago and, uh, I think I have a background in broadcast and in radio and he thought, uh, I don't know, I guess you found that interesting. Um, and, uh, kind of continued to pursue this idea and we, you know, brainstormed about it and talked about what it might look like. But I think where it came out of is the fact that we had years of 
private conversations where he and I were both allowed to heckle each other basically about each other's beliefs and faith and, and politics and that kind of thing. And I think developing that trust and rapport over years makes this podcast possible. I, I think we didn't, we, you know, no one picked, no one went out and just picked a Baptist and a Muslim and said, you guys uh, mm-hmm. sit in front of a microphone. Uh, this is a fruit of, you know, a friendship gone and a, you know, professional collaboration gone back years. Uh, I don't know what John's perspective on that is. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's, you know, this is, this is the continuation of a longstanding dialogue between two guys from different religions, different cultural backgrounds. And the, and the, the fact is, we've always pinged each other on the down low to find out when we had a question. And, and, uh, I, I think Matthew, uh, I, I think you'd agree that we both created that, that sort of safe space for us to interact. Um, of course we didn't pull any punches, you know, no. like, you know, no. like, why, like, why, you know, you know, you, 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 if you ever listen to the podcast, the whole thing about the crucifixion, we, you know, I, I hedge on to that one. And, uh, con- asking you to you know pop me a quick baptism just in case you know <laughs> you know so uh, so regardless of whether i think you know jesus is the savior but i think the the fact is is that we have had a long-standing dialogue where we, we've been made we made sure that we always had made uh, if we had a question we asked each other and then we also always facilitated answers um and and the sexy part about it was i think we used to exchange lunches right yeah you do a lunch i do a lunch um, and you know, we kind of felt like whoever was buying the lunch, we would be more cordial to, you know, so you could, <laughs> you know, like, well, I remember one time I went to the sandwich place and you were, I was like, you know, you were buying. So I was really nice about it. You know, I was like, I won't, I'm not going to hammer them too much because the guy's paying for the meal. And then when it was reversed, I think you would be like, well, you know, I got to get my money's worth you know, on this one. So, um, I think, uh, and so, I think we split a sandwich, didn't we? We actually did. We were like a couple, and uh, I don't. I don't know what the conference is going to say about that. So, uh, but but, uh, but you know, we we you know, and then we've started to build that relationship of who we are and who our families are and how we interact, and we know quite a bit about each other personally and professionally. And we moved from sort of uh, uh, people representing constituencies to colleagues to friends and colleagues, and and the problem was or the challenge was we were, we deal with a lot of these issues that no one. We know the, the, you know the business of international religious freedom and religious freedom. We, we know that all the players and the characters were talking about all this stuff. And in the same respect, there's no Muslim. What's the, you know what's the innovative component here is that there's no there's no Muslim and Christian talking about politics and religion on a regular basis. And and so um, I mean I appreciate Matthew crediting me with this, but this is an idea that was forged out of our, our, our conversation that we just figured we'd bring to the public. And with Matthew leaving uh, Washington, there is a, a, a real deficit in uh, the two faiths interacting in an open and public forum, as well as mm-hmm. uh, in the, behind closed doors. So you've um, sort of started answering my next question already, which is uh, the impact of this format the impact of the Crossing Fates podcast. Matthew, why don't you swing on that one? I think, uh, I mean, John and I both obviously uh, just, you know, a scattershot look at our 
um, the, the episodes we've published, we have particular professional interests, uh, namely international religious freedom and multi-faith collaboration and uh, American politics and geopolitics. And uh, there's a, a whole you know, subject matter of interest, including you know, national security. Uh, we have pretty wide-ranging interests. But uh, I think while we want to advance conversations about those issues with a podcast, we, I think, Part of the podcast is like John indicated. Uh, we just kind of want to drag our our private conversations into public for the sake of modeling a conversation uh, between two people who have deep uh, theological and cultural differences, and uh, to show that we can uh, talk about these things in public and uh, still remain friends. And I think there's something of value of in that, um, especially given our, our current political moment of American history. You're such a nice guy when you say things. You're talking about cultural. I'm a New Yorker, so I'm like a, a cynical optimist. That's my. That's so. That's most, and that's that's like a third of it. The other side, the other third is you, you or, and that your part of that is that you're you're uh, Tennessean. Uh, well, you're a, a Virginian, a Northern Virginian, West Virginian, West Virginian. West Virginia. Right, so, is Northern Virginia a state? No. Or you can just West have Virginia North, you just, just have you just have Virginia and you have West Virginia. Was there, was there an army of Northern Virginia at one time? Maybe I don't was, know. Was that the next longest place I've lived other than West Virginia is Tennessee? So, well, you, culturally, you're a Southerner. Let's just start with that. And I'm a Northerner. There you go. From and That's from, fair from the from the from New York City, and you're you're like a Southerner from the rural rural area. So there's yeah. a cultural element there. Mm-hmm. Then you're a Southern Baptist. I'm Muslim. And then on top of that, you represented a, a constituency that was broad, but that but really represented a, a, a multicultural faith group from the yeah, south. That's fair. Uh, yeah, right. And so, you know, the mountain people, plateau people, I don't know, farming people. I don't know the different differences there. But yeah, well, to, I, to paint I, the picture on that, to, to just interrupt for a second, um, it's the term Southern Baptist, so our, our roots are in the American Southeast, but now we're the, essentially the uh, still the largest denomination in the in the U.S., and we're the most national organization of churches with the most regional name. So uh, there are actually debates from time to time about renaming the the convention uh, for, to something other than Southern Baptist because it's a history. But uh, you know, our our constituency of churches is twenty percent ethnic churches or ethnically non-white churches, and we're on all fifty states. Right. So you you know Southern and then and then Baptist evangelical. And a northerner from that's Muslim, and uh, of course we have a, a, a banter, a different way in which we talk. And and the, the the fact is is that our private conversations as friends and colleagues, are, we see we just said it was really relevant now. There's no like I said, no Muslim and Christian speaking to each other on a regular basis. Then we have the lens of the the current administration where we have an evangelical council. Where recently Pastor Paula White was just now she actually officially works for the the president uh in and um in the faith initiatives she's leading the faith initiatives uh for the white house and it's a profound moment in 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 the the baptist culture and evangelical culture and community right now because they've got their president their guy uh and it it uh highlights the differences within the community in the same respect Mm -hmm. all of the other religious communities are on the rails uh so uh, regardless of what is advocated for religious freedom, it's it's difficult to to um, um, 
it's it, it's good and and it's bad also on both sides to engage the, the administration. And so uh, we're we thought it was a, a profound moment for us to to really start uh, the podcast. And that was part of the impetus of of the decision making to make it happen. And I think the other unique value, aside from us uh, being a Christian or Muslim, having our podcast and it being ongoing, I see we see some clergy. Uh, doing events in public. Uh, you might have an evangelical pastor and an imam uh, do something together, might host an event. I know there are movements for evangelicals and imams to just become friends with one another um, in America. But the other added aspect is that John and I, we aren't, I, John has more religious credentials than I do, but uh, we're in some sense, we're laymen. Uh, we're not uh, on staff at a church or, or, a, or a mosque. So we're, uh, we're not, we're kind of, uh, maybe what amateur theologians at best. I mean, I'm, I'm enrolled in a seminary and pursuing a PhD, but we're not, we're not clergy in the same sense. You typically see uh, multi-faith uh, conversations or quote unquote dialogue happen. So I think there's a added uniqueness to that. Well, yeah. And, and then the, this, the other element is that the NSS, the national security strategy has international religious freedom as a focal point. Now I helped draft this, this of that segment and, and, and the challenge is, is that, uh, this you know, this administration is focusing on international religious freedom and religious freedom as a cornerstone, and that means that it's it's um, very relevant for uh, this dialogue to come into the public space so that we can make sure that uh, that uh, component of the national security strategy is stored properly um, and. Uh, uh, appropriately for all religions and not just pandering to uh, one faith. And and this administration has done a tremendous amount of job of engaging the different multi-faith communities and so forth. Well, we have to stay vigilant and maintain this, the status of our communities. And I don't just mean uh, uh, Christian evangelical and, and American Muslim. I mean uh, all faith groups to, to make sure that we are are talking about the issues in politics. Um, and one of the, the, the corporate components of the f format was to get ourselves down the road a little bit, but then introduce speakers. And we just had our, our first uh, our first guest speaker, which was an Orthodox, uh, an Orthodox priest. Um, and so uh, we're going to have different faith groups. Imagine we had a Muslim man, an evangelical with an Orthodox priest online, and we were discussing the issues of the day. Terrible. Well, it's, it's fine that you don't always agree. But your dialogue is surprisingly candid, good-humored, and rather productive, actually, uh, when you discuss these topics of religion and politics. So what advice or how can the rest of us, you know, professionals in related fields, other lay people, engage in more productive conversations about these topics? One of the first things is, is participate in the, in the in the podcast. We want guests, we want as many guest speakers and input as possible on subjects that we should be addressing, it's because we don't want to just have we were operating in a vacuum. You know, one of the innovations of podcast and is that it's not just it doesn't have to be just two two people talking. Um, we want to make sure that we have an, uh, a space that is participatory. Uh, not just from a listening perspective and and garnering support from different communities, but making sure that they, that they see it as see this as a space for them to come and and anyone to come and talk about what the the issues of the day uh, and utilize that format and that space. Um, I think second is that um, you know one of the things that I know that we're both passionate about is intrafaith dialogue. 
So uh, I'm pa very passionate about a panel, uh, groups of Muslims speaking uh, and together, and because not, no one Muslim represents the entire Ummah, the community. Uh, and I know that Matthew and I have talked about that happening with different Christian group Christians, and because a lot of times when Christians get together, they like to talk about other things uh, as opposed to their differences and and ex and expressions and how their expressions work. Um, and then the third element is really this is a movement. Um, it's it's a movement to bring uh, the dialogues that happen within the Beltway uh, and related to politics and policy and religion and bring them into the open space without preaching and really trying to suss out the differences so that we can understand. Like a lot of times I, I'm, I'm asking questions about providence and, and, and scripture, you know, is, you know, it, does, does, does Christianity preclude us from having a prophet after Jesus? That was, that was one of the questions that we talked about uh, in one of our shows. No idea. And then we talked about where the justifications are and what was going on. And, uh, and, and like I said, called it, called it out a little bit. Um, uh, and, and I think that we, we kind of discuss a lot of the issues without getting uh, into digestible pieces. And I think that that's really important for the faith communities to get involved in is not to assume that people know about the faiths and know about what's going on and, and take a little bit of time to take a couple steps back, back and explain core elements. And then it's okay to not go all the way down the road and make sure to, so that people can understand the different faiths and where they come from. What do you think, Matthew? I agree. One of the terms that sticks out to me is translation. Uh, what I realized I was doing in DC a lot of the times is an act of translation. I was trying to translate my culture and constituency to a pretty wide variety of audiences. Uh, number one, Capitol Hill staff and people in, in the government and uh, folks like John who were other, you know, part running other NGOs, uh, but came from different phase and different backgrounds. And even though we all speak the same language, technically speaking, uh, there's a whole lot of translation that needs to happen. Uh, and I don't think we often understand that and uh, realize um, the, the work and the listening it takes to, to accomplish that. Because I, as a government relations advocate, wanted to faithfully represent my constituency of Southern Baptist, while at the same time productively communicating that to people on Capitol Hill. And people on Capitol Hill are not terribly uh, familiar with Southern Baptist doctrine and belief, uh, or much less, you know, even Christian doctrine, certainly even less Muslim uh, doctrine and, and belief. And so uh, what you have to do is, on the one hand, represent your faith tradition so that they recognize you if you were speaking, but also translate that in a way that uh, Capitol Hill folks, uh, people who are outside your your tribe, so to speak, can understand. Um, and I think uh, to your question, Hasha, for the rest of us, uh, come come listen to this episode, and I think John and I are trying to do a lot of that. Um, each episode, we're trying to kind of translate for each other, each other's tribes, uh, and doesn't mean that we're going to always agree, but at least we understand each other accurately. Uh, and and from my perspective as a Christian, recognizing John as as one of my neighbors, uh, which is a key tenet of our of our faith. You mentioned that you recently interviewed an Orthodox priest. Uh, what are some of the other current topics that are featured on Crossing Faiths? Oh, Matthew's got this one because it's. I mean, <laughs> I've got. I've got. Know, a, my favorite. My, my favorite is the Jesus nails, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know. I've got so, the list in front um, of us. So, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Just go. Just run through the list because it's it's funny in itself. Yeah. Like I read through the list and, and I'm like, I don't even know, like where these come up from. But because and there's a lot of them that goes in and then we end up going sideways uh, on it. Yeah. So, so for the sake of your question, Hasha, um, the uniqueness of this podcast is we're still kind of shaping it and figure out what we're supposed to do with the content. Uh, you know, one of the when I people want to ask which first one to listen to, I always uh, point them to the very first episode, our pilot episode, and it's titled "An Evangelical Walks Into a Wudu Space." Well, I had my first mosque ex- experience, and so I tell John about that, and he gives me insight about what I did right and what I did wrong and what I should do in the future. And then John tells me about his own his first um, uh, evangelical prayer circle. Um, that uh, people gather out him and, and pray laid hands on him and he was kind of freaking out in his head and so we we have a good laugh about that so we're each swapping uh, kind of our multi-faith experiences we talk about um, uh, you know when when Trump made news for retweeting the assertion of uh, of a libertarian uh, uh, radio host that he was the he was a messiah uh, we talked about that in an episode called Messiah Complex. Uh, Netflix has a documentary out earlier this year called The Family. Uh, it's a it's a documentary about a Christian organization in D.C. that seeks to you know use influence and get people who believe in Jesus in positions of power. And so John and I try to unpack that. And, uh, I think from a Muslim perspective, it kind of it kind of freaks people out because it, well, <laughs> it looks very theocratic. People, and that's right. And then here's the thing: is we know people that are in the in yeah. Uh, what do they call the fellowship? The that's fellowship. Fam- that's yeah. what the family's about. We, you know, I, I work directly with the White House on, on and, and the agencies, as did as did um, um, uh, Matthew. So we we know a lot of these players and we interact with the insights from sort of inside the beltway as well. So there's some of these components. But yeah, go through, let's go through the list. You know, they're really funny. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we spent an episode on 9-11 and John told me about his, his the experience of his family, uh, an American Muslim family after 9-11. And uh, it, all, it quickly becomes a tale of uh, a multi-faith family pretty rapidly, would you say, John? Uh, and then another yes, episode, sure. we talk about uh, self-flagellation in some corners of the Muslim faith. Uh, we talk about Hindu-Muslim joint prayer, which which uh, surprised both of us, I think. Um, you know, we delved into a really controversial subject about uh, people who I try to claim what is true Islam versus what is a fake Muslim. Um, that was a fun episode. Um, and then, uh, we, you know, we talk about impeachment and, uh, we talk about the, a little bit about the rash of, uh, houses of worship after, after a lot of gun violence in America, um, trying to figure out their security protocol, um, at the local level. And, uh, yeah, most recently we, we talked to John and, uh, and, Father John Anderson, um, while they were on location in Erbil, so um, that you know it's a pretty wide ranging subject matter, but uh, I think we have a fun time throughout. You certainly cover a lot of ground, and you don't shy away from challenging topics. So, what are your goals for crossing faiths moving forward? If we could get a regular radio gig, that would be pretty fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think the. I, I think the intent was well. No, there's no joke in that. We, we, if we could earn a living doing this, we would. Um, I, and I, and I, I think we earn a good, a decent living doing religious freedom work. The challenge is, is that um, we're doing. We wanted to make sure that we got put a product together. Matthew calls it the pancake. <laughs> so, uh, 
and and I'll have him explain what the pancake is. But the challenge we were trying to put something together and maintain the dialogue and and put the, and press the dialogue into the into the public space, which we've done. Uh, the challenge now is for us to sustain and grow. And in order to do that, we need we need resources, which means we're we're, we're now folding in uh, guest speakers uh, and following the news of the day. We have a sort of a system. We go through to the religion news service. Uh, we 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 hit the headlines and you know Fox and CNN and so forth. Plus, we have a lot of inside information where we kind of uh, bring that to light um, with what's happening currently in the Beltway or internationally with certain events. Um, Matthew was kind of, we were on location, I was on location in, in Kurdistan. Uh, I was in the UK, uh, where we, we, we had a show while I was in the UK and you were in Washington. So there's a, there's all this stuff where we're trying to bring a, a dynamic components to the show. Um, um, and then the, the sort of next stage is where we would like to travel to different on location, uh, and spend different, uh, spend time with different communities. Uh, and with uh, universities and 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 think tanks, and have host have sh have each one of these entities um, host shows for us, uh, and we can then talk with the different subject matter experts and and have a more dynamic conversation by bringing others into the fold. Uh, but I think the, the big the, one of the big components is, is how do we maintain the sustainability and and build the the, the uh, listenership up to the point where. Uh, we could embed ourselves in in one of the larger outlets, uh, and uh, and and we could do this for a living. Yeah, I think we want to you know build an audience of people who uh, are curious about this thing, or are not entirely sure how to deal with a new, uh, an ever increasingly shrinking world um, where uh, we're bumping up against different cultures all the time. Uh, I think the assumption in America is that because we all speak the same language, and by and large we all uh, we cut at least those outside of metropolitan areas think we all kind of look the same, uh, that, you know, we're not, uh, as, um, diverse a, a country as we really are. And I think, uh, to the extent that we can kind of break down those, break down those barriers. Um, I think that's helpful. Uh, practically speaking for the podcast, we want to continue to grow our audience and, uh, we want to do some new things with the show. We want to, we'd love to increase the quality uh, of the show. Uh, we'd love to get some gear for mobile recording because John and I each, uh, John obviously travels a lot and, um, I would like to be able to, for us to go out outside of our, our little Skype microphones here and, uh, uh, and record some some other interviews that we'd like to feature um, of people doing uh, of you know of people doing the multi faith thing well. Um, I think we get a lot of folks who uh, the national news stories focus on what's going wrong with all this stuff. Uh, John and I would like to tease out a lot of the stories where a lot of things are going right, uh, which frankly was the case for Kurdistan before uh, U.S. forces withdrew from that region. That's another story. Um, but there are a lot of places that we'd like to highlight where multi faith things are going well uh, and so we'd like to expand our capacity uh, frankly for the production and uh, continue to grow our audience great is there anything else you'd like our listeners or readers to know about crossing faiths you know join the join the conversation where matthew is continuously trying to convert me to being an evangelical and you can gain <laughs> measure his success every show uh and 
you know, and, and we we would and we would love some support from the large community and listen and and inputs. And that doesn't just mean financial, but yeah, getting yeah. people to come in and and really challenge us with different subjects. And we may know the answer, we may not, but we if we don't, we can find out and we can bring that issue into the public space and yeah. and 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 really create a public dialogue. I mean, the the challenges. We belong to the International Religious Freedom Roundtable that's been around for 10 years in Washington. And with Ambassador Brown back there, it's wonderful. There's a, a, a very dynamic dialogue. But that, but in large part, that those conversations still stay in a room in Washington and do not hit the light. That they never see the light of day. And this is one of the few forums for for dialogue where two people that differ go back and forth. And we would love more participate participation from the from the community um and that means religious communities uh, and non-religious secular communities uh to to help challenge and, and help shape this so this becomes um, um like i said more of a, a movement than it already is yeah that's a, that's a really good point john um our our production will be a better production with with increased audience participation uh you know what you know for non-Christians, uh, you know, what questions do you have about uh, evangelicals or you know Southern Baptists in particular, or or uh, Protestant Christianity? I, I'd love to try to explain that. If I don't know how, uh, we'll bring someone in like like Father John, um, like we did, because I I wasn't going to fake an answer, uh, as you'll hear on that most recent uh, uh, episode. I wasn't going to fake an answer for John. I wanted to find someone who really knew what he was talking about instead of a Google search. Um, and then likewise, you know, people from my tribe, I'd love to part of what we're trying to do here is introduce each other's tribes to the other and uh, to try to uh, reduce um, the, you know, the misunderstanding and, and the fear uh, that a lot of us have across faith lines and political lines. What was, what was that? What was that, that, that we, the question we couldn't have, we couldn't answer the Jesus. What was, what was it that father John answered for us that the we Jesus, had no idea? That you the had- Jesus abs. Why do the display of Jesus on a cross typically uh, depict him as having Have the six pack? As yeah, a really rock solid six pack. And John and Father John brought a really, uh, I thought, historically and theologically credible answer uh, to that. For that, you'll have to listen. Because you because you didn't know. You, you had I, no I genuinely didn't know. No. Huh? And I but, just like use it as a joke every time I'm trying to get in shape. Yeah. Yeah. Because so that was my whole thing. In the in the Protestant tradition, uh, we typically don't display Jesus on a cross. Uh, our crosses are typically empty, uh, as an indicator of um, of his resurrecting from the dead. Uh, but in the Orthodox and Catholic traditions, they have him on on the cross, uh, and there the, the emphasis. Uh, I'll defer to them, but it's just a different emphasis. It's an d- emphasis on his sacrifice for us. So uh, it's an underscoring of why visual displays are controversial because they can't tell the whole story. Well, and and it leaves up leaves it up to interpretation because if you don't right. have no idea, right? You know, I'm, I'm you start making jokes about getting in shape, so uh, <laughs> which may or may not sit right. But uh, but yeah, listen, with the, our latest show has goes into that, yeah, uh, dives into it. One last point, I think, from my from my perspective, um, in the multi in the interfaith space, um, the people who do dialogue and and collaboration between religions. Uh, they're basically, they're two dominant models. There is the quote unquote interfaith model, which tends to be, I think most people will agree, and just a descriptive thing, this is not an attack, um, that it typically draws uh, theological uh, progressives or theological liberals together from across different faiths. So if you're a, a liberal Christian or a liberal Jew or a liberal Muslim, like it's really easy to get yourself into the interfaith thing. Sometimes that, you know, that, 
looks like a, a shared prayer service or some kind of like your folks are trying to see where their liturgy lines up and how the phase are really similar. Um, that's one model. It's a little easier to draw together on the front end, I think. Uh, in the, it, previously, it's not so much this right now, but I think John will agree, the secularized model is kind of what the model of the State Department at least used to look like. It was that nobody really understood religion, and uh, especially in the diplomatic space, and so and nobody trusted religious actors to uh, communicate about uh, theological differences and cultural differences without, without fighting. And so uh, that that secularization model welcomes people in to uh, talk about things, quote, in the secular arena, but aren't religious. And so uh, for that, uh, you know, both John and I would basically have to pretend as if we're not, you know, Christian and Muslim. We could only talk about things that are supposedly secular, right? So we couldn't talk about our faith differences. Uh, and then what John and I, what part of what John and I are trying to do is an example of, of a third way, which is a multi, what we call a multi-faith um, collaboration. Uh, and that respects theological differences. We come together to collaborate and be cut, not in spite of, but because of our differences, because we recognize we have to dialogue and talk to each other because we disagree on, on so much. Um, and that is a more fruitful way we find in the long term. It's harder to pull together in the short term. We think it's more fruitful in the long run, I think, and that it helps John and I engage each other while we're still, um, while we still look like our respective tribes, right? I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to shed my, uh, my religious identity, uh, for the sake of being at a, at a dialogue table or collaborating, right? My, my faith, my own faith group still recognizes me when I walk and talk with John and likewise for John, the Muslim community, right. I, I, I expect would still recognize John as, as part of their fold, right? He's not having to sacrifice, he's not having to water down his faith like the interfaith model, and he's not having to um, hide or pretend he doesn't have a faith in the secularized model. So the multi-faith model is what uh, part of what I think informs the crossing faith ethos. Well, it is a tightrope a little bit. You know, we always are very careful because we want to make sure that we bring the issues to light and, uh, and challenge ourselves in the communities and each other uh, without getting too personal like with with uh, uh with with different individuals or are calling to people out to the floor it's not a it's it's certainly not um where we're uh, sensationalizing specific issues but we look it's the, 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 there's difference between tolerance and respect and and really just having a conversation where you want to you want to know you know jesus abs what's up with that you know and and, you know, we didn't, we had no idea. We had a conversation about it. We, go, we need to bring somebody on about the Jesus apps. That's not all what Father John talks about. Right. But what he, he comes into. Yeah. And um, um, I mean, you know, the, I guess my favorite episode, Jesus Nails. What's what's going on with the crucifixion nails? Now, you guys aren't into uh, relics. Right. So, um, you know, and, you know, what and what would I do? What do we do? We say if there's a little bit of DNA on those Jesus nails, what can we start? Can we start uh, cloning Jesus's, Jesus? And 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 when we and we, we went into the, the, the theology of it, right? Is that possible? So, um, but you know, a lot of times we have these sort of respectful conversations within our own faiths, and we can't, we don't know the answers. Uh, and I, you know, I have, a, I have a friend of mine that went on a trip with me to, to and and he said I, I never knew, and and smiley before. Now I'm going to talk with the community. Because I haven't, I you, you, I broke the ice with the community with you. In the same respect, when it comes to different faiths, like evangelical Muslim, we're chatting back and forth, and we're just doing it openly. 
which and we're doing it safely, respectfully, but at least we're not afraid to talk about the issues and get into it uh, and say, what do you mean by that? And what's you know, what's what's your why is your faith do this? And uh, and I think that's something that's different when it comes to the multi-faith space and everybody sort of is to a certain degree, almost too respectful to the point where no one really knows or is getting into why people, why faiths right. do what they do yeah. and then how they are similar. We, we just, we just had a show about the differences and similarities about, um, training, uh, uh, how we learn about our religions. Is there a Sunday school in Islam, for example, you know, and, uh, what, you know, we talked about the M word madrasas and, and, uh, some of this stuff. And, and we find out that there's a lot of similarities in how we go through uh, learning about religion. Uh, and, and that was something that, that was just a personal question. I don't think that, you know, you got the, you didn't get a fatwa from your community asking no. about this. So we know, no. you know, so <laughs> I just, I, I just figure those vacuum tubes and you just getting like one of those vacuum tubes at your house with like a message that's like, ask John, <laughs> what do Muslims do this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I, 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 that's what I imagine happens. You know? We're going to add sound effects of a vacuum yeah, tube. Yeah. I, <laughs> So I, I have no idea, but I'm like, you know, I, I figure that one was that didn't come in the vacuum tube. That didn't come in the messenger. So um, but it, I think that that's that's one of the things that's that's different about us is that we're just not afraid to talk about things. And we, we're not thin skinned with each other, you know, um, and that, that that's that's the meaningful part of this is that we generally disagree on a lot of things and we're we're, we're tackling it. But we need more information. We need more content we need more people to 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 participate so it still it maintains that dynamic quality so vantage points we finish every interview with the same two questions what concerns you most about the world today and what brings you hope i'm i'm a generally positive person even though i'm a new yorker like i said cynical optimist so um you know i think that from a whole perspective i i i, I travel quite a bit and I think that there are faith communities cooperating uh, and collaborating on a scale which is largely uh, unnoted by the world, uh, and particularly the international religious freedom community. If you stick in the beltway um, and you listen to what's being said uh, by the mouthpieces there, um, you'd think it's a lot of gloom and doom. The, 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 the thing that's repeated is that, you know, 80 percent. 70% of the world is our faith communities and 80% of that community is religiously persecuted. But the idea of religious, I don't even know if it's, if you say collaboration, I would talk about it, just communities living and living in a healthy and respectful and progressive manner. Um, there's quite a bit uh, happening and quite a bit of innovation and there's quite a bit of of a really thoughtful engagement happening. Uh, and, and this isn't a cell of the, of the, of the podcast I'm talking about. What we're doing is pretty amateur hour considering what's happening in, in places like Kurdistan or what's happening in, in, uh, uh, Egypt, uh, and what's happening in Tunisia, uh, and with different faith communities around the world. Uh, it's not being celebrated. It's, it's religious persecution. And then from there it's expanding into, all right, how do we save specific communities? Um, and then there's, so I think there's a lot of wonderfully dynamic NGOs that are out there doing things, but it's the communities that are on the ground that are based around the world that are providing to me a, a tremendous amount of hope uh, that for the future. Um, 
And then uh, I don't know what the second part of the question was. So it was hope. And then what was the other part? That was it. The hope was the second part of the question. Right. Right. You actually answered the second part first. What concerns you most about the world today was the other half? Well, I just, I mean, I, I, if this is the process for evangelicals to convert people, it's way too long. It's not working. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the profound moment and I, you know, it's not happening. So, um, that worries me. Uh, I don't know what the evangelical game is, but, um, I think the biggest thing that worries me is, is, is pandering to an individual communities. That's the biggest thing that worries me yeah. is that if you're, if you're going to focus on religious persecution, for example, we tackle the issue of the most persecuted community in the world. And it's, it's, first of all, persecution is persecution. It doesn't matter who's the most, but there's a lot of misinformation about the most persecuted, for example. Um, that's not, it's, I'm not concerned about that specific issue, but the pandering to specific communities uh, is, is very troublesome because it, it essentially is not multi-faith. It essentially is not religiously free. Um, and, and you have to give the same attention to the most uh, and the, even the least persecuted communities if you're going to be fair uh, and follow ethics and rules when it comes to uh, the, the working and dispensing uh, um, religious freedom throughout the world. Uh, but that's not happening, I think, in a fair and impartial manner these days. And that concern is, is weighs heavy on me, which is one of the main reasons why I pressed uh, uh, to, to this podcast to happen. Uh, and, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not sure that there's anybody else that could be doing this other than, than Matthew from the Christian community. Um, is very, he's such a fair guy, you know, he's so good with me, handling me back and forth on the, on the, on the radio. So, um, and, and they, from a, from a knowledge basis and an also a practitioner's basis, I think it's really important. And that's the, the second concern I have. There's not enough practitioners in the industry, uh, in, in the religious freedom game, and there needs to be more practitioners and less, uh, uh less theological, uh, uh, theoretical people, um, I think that's that's a core component. And then the last thing is, is that there needs to be more pluralists that happen to be something. So uh, I'm a pluralist who happens to be Muslim. Um, I, I, I that doesn't mean that that, you know, it doesn't that God, that, that God Allah doesn't come first in my life as a practicing Muslim. But there's not a lot of pluralists that are operating in this space. And uh, the, the business of, of international religious freedom sometimes gets in the way when people are, are pandering to their, each one of their, their communities. So those are the three sort of major concerns on my part. Um, what do you think, Matthew? He, he couldn't help himself, Hasha. You asked for one. He gave you three. <laughs> well, it's all, it's all wrapped up. You know, it, it, I, I, would, I would argue they're all interrelated, like a I clover. I'm just you know, like I'm a, like, you. Well, yeah, I'm no, like, you. like the like that like that three, three parts. Just own the spirit. it. Just own it. The spirit, the spirit, the Jesus, and the God. You see, it's you're all, already you're already Trinitarian, John. You don't even know it. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. It's like a shamrock. That's why it was explained to me once. It's like one leaf but three petals. Uh-huh. I don't know. Some guy, uh-huh. some Irish guy, explained it to me. It made sense. I was like, okay, I kind of get it now. All right. Uh, All right. For, for my answer, uh, there could be a lot. I share a lot of John's concerns. Um, my concern is uh, the extent to which my own uh, theologically conservative Christian 
tribe, quote unquote, in America has been uh, has harmonized itself with uh, the whole President Trump thing um, in a way that really compromises our our beliefs and our values and what we've been preaching for you know twenty or thirty years. On the one hand, it doesn't surprise me that lots of evangelicals voted for President Trump. I think there are a lot of uh, non uh, non-theological, uh, not terribly surprising dynamics about uh, the U.S. and uh, what happened during the Obama administration that explains why uh, so many Americans voted for or for Trump. Um, but it, it disturbs me that my my tribe uh, has been so closely associated with the worst parts of of the Trump era, uh, including. Um, anti-immigration sentiment and uh, and racism and uh, you know all of a sudden going quiet on uh, Trump's abusive uh, relationships with women uh, earlier in his life um, and not to mention the rhetoric uh, that comes out of the president's Twitter feed that is not uh, not terribly uniting uh, for America so it troubles me that my own my own uh, religious tribe has been so caught up in that. Um, what gives me hope is that the the thrust of uh, of gro- the growth of Christianity is not tied up in us white evangelicals. Uh, the Christian movement is uh, is the center of gravity, so to speak, is uh, no longer in North America, and it's uh, flourishing in, in South America um, and in places around the world where it's really difficult to be a Christian. And so, uh, my understanding as a theological, or my theological understanding for hope is that uh, Christ's kingdom will will continue to grow. Um, and in the, and alongside that, uh, I've found friends like John who uh, have this capability of engaging the religious other and collaborating uh, despite deep differences and continue to be friends. This has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Penna, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show, consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting crossingphase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter, at MTHawk, at JT Pinna, or at Crossing Phase. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.